0: I hope so, because this is the Through the Eyes of Jesus podcast, and welcome back. My name is Isaiah Leininger. Joining me today, as always, is my good friend, Walker Howell, and our special guest today is Jesse Eaton. Go ahead and say hello, Jesse. Hey, everybody. How's it going? Walker and Jesse, we're so glad uh, that we are back here. We thank you for tuning in, whether you be a new listener or someone who's listened to every episode. And if you haven't listened to every episode, go ahead and do us a favor and do that. But... We're here with season two, episode four of Through the Eyes of Jesus podcast. Of the Through the Eyes of Jesus podcast. You think by now I know what the name of the show is. (laughs) And our goal here on the show is to look at worldly problems from a godly perspective. And that's what we're doing, especially in season two. We're looking at controversial issues, things that are dividing, things that cause a lot of strife here in the world, in this country, and especially in the church. And we're looking at what the Bible has to say on these topics. And we want to make sure that we approach these topics with love and with sincerity, but also with truth. We're not going to take away from what the scripture says because it may be offensive or it may hurt someone's feelings. We're going to try and say it as tactfully as possible, but we're still going to try and speak the truth. Uh, And this episode, we're talking about another controversial topic. We're talking about another dividing topic, and that is politics. What does the Bible say about politics? What does the Bible say about government? Uh, and that's why we brought Jesse on. Jesse, go ahead and introduce yourself and maybe tell the listeners a little bit how you know this topic. Absolutely. Thanks, Isaiah, for the great introduction. Um, specifically in my
1: life and, and my faith as a Christian, uh, politics has has been uh, a big deal for me. Um, growing up, I was always really interested in politics, um, but also really involved with the church. And so I always felt the tension uh, in those two areas. Uh, somewhat conflicting with each other and sometimes greater than others. Uh, And that all especially came to a head during my time in high school uh, when I was involved with uh, the state Senate for West Virginia. Um, So I've I've seen both sides of the story as far as uh, not only being a member of the church, but also seeing the inside workings of uh, state and national politics. Uh, So this is something that's really interesting to me.
0: Like you mentioned, there's definitely that conflict there between Christians and politics. And it seems to me, from my experience, that there's no good middle ground, at least not right now. Uh, You either have some Christians who are so heavily influenced by politics or so heavily uh, participating in politics that it may seem that they're missing the primary focus of the church. And then you have other people who are so annoyed by politics that they reject the idea of participating in it at all, Uh, Sometimes not even voting, and I I don't think either one of those are great options. And we'll be getting that into that a little bit more
2: into the show, won't we, Walker? That's definitely right, and it's uh, definitely something that um, whenever we're doing these episodes, we're not trying to target any certain individual, and so that's why uh, from the beginning we want to make sure that you know that this we we benefited from this study before this discussion. just like hopefully y'all will benefit from it as well. And so this isn't the target uh, if you're on the left side or the right side or whatever side you may be on. This is for all of us to hopefully learn a lesson on what our role as Christians should be within the government.
0: Absolutely, Walker. So let's, let's go ahead and dive into our subject for today. And the first question that we need to talk about is, should we as Christians follow the government's command, especially here in this country, but also in other countries? If you're happen to be listening from outside of the United States, should you also follow your government? And if so, to what extent? And I believe the Bible is very, very clear about the respect and authority that the government has over us. The Bible is very clear about the fact that we need to be submissive to the government because their authority is from God. And I'm going to go ahead and get on a little bit of a soapbox here, so to speak, because this is something that irritates me. Uh, like, like we were talking about a little bit ago, there are some Christians who are so – either on either end of the spectrum, it, do, it doesn't matter whether they're very, very heavily involved in politics or not involved at all. I will see people post – you know, or talk about political candidates or political uh, leaders in a very, very negative way. Um, you, you see people on both ends of the political spectrum trashing their opponents. Uh, calling them all sorts of names, insulting their intelligence, even insulting their families, which is ridiculous. Their families have done nothing. These people have often done nothing, but it's because they hold different beliefs and that's why Christians will attack them. And we'll, we'll see so many times on social media, especially someone will uh, make the phrase, he's not my president. Yeah, he is. Is he not the president of the United States? Are you not a citizen of the United States? Therefore, if that man is the president of the United States and you are a citizen of the United States, he was your president, like it or not, because God has given him that authority. And I think we as Christians need to do a better job of explaining to not only other Christians, but also to those outside the church, what our attitude towards the national government or the state government or local government, what that should be. Because when we as Christians are seen as disrespectful to authority, when we're seen as rebellious, what kind of influence do you think the church will have with that image? What kind of reputation do you think will start to gather? Not the one that the Lord intended, I can promise you that much. And it will not be one that helps people get to heaven, which is the primary goal of the church. But as I mentioned, the Bible is, is very, very clear about this. Uh, And one of the main passages that we want to look at today is in Romans chapter 13. Romans chapter 13, and we'll look at the first seven verses. Romans chapter 13, beginning in verse 1. Every person is to be in subjection to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God, and those which exist are established by God. Therefore, whoever resists authority has opposed the ordinance of God Therefore, it is necessary to be in subjection, not only because of wrath, but also for conscience' sake. For because of this you also pay taxes, for rulers are servants of God, devoting themselves to this very thing. Paul sums it up here in verse 7. Render to all what is due to them, tax to whom tax is due, custom to whom custom is due, fear to whom fear is due, honor to whom honor is due.
2: You know, going back to your tangent, um, your weekly tangent, <laughs> <laughs> about, uh, so, about social media and the, um, and the use of it regarding politics. This, this may not be entirely related to this episode in general, but I feel like it needs to be addressed as well. Social media can be a very good thing. It can also be a very bad thing. Social media can be a very good evangelistic tool if we use it in the appropriate way. And if we are constantly expressing our uh, very um, biased or very, um, our, our very strict political view regarding something, imagine what type of effect that can have on someone whenever you go to try to teach them the gospel, especially if they're friends with you on social media whenever we're posting things on social media, we should be mindful of the things that we post because we never know how it's going to influence someone if we ever decide to start personal evangelizing and reaching out to people to study with them because, uh, they may perceive an image of us that may be false, but they only perceive that image because of what we post on social media. So be mindful of that. This, this isn't what this episode is about, but I feel like it needs to be addressed. Um, because, uh, Politics can definitely influence how someone looks at you, even though it it shouldn't, in all honesty. But it does happen because that's the nature that we live in. That's human nature. That's what we do. And um, we just need to be mindful of what we post and how it can affect other people and how it can affect our Christian lives as a whole. I think another important thing
1: to to look at as well in this verse is uh, especially how much emphasis that Paul places on the fact that anyone that is an authority over us has been given that authority by God.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: No one is an authority unless God grants them part of his own authority. And so to, to look at it through what Paul is saying here is that when we reject the authority and the, the place of power that God has given others over us, we are in some way rejecting God's own authority over us. And so it's important, I think, especially in reading this section where where Paul talks so much about giving, um, paying to those what is due to them or paying taxes that are owed or, uh, you know, revenue to whom revenue is owed or respect to whom respect is owed. Part of the reverence we give to God by the way that we live our lives as Christians is shown by the way we obey authorities and by the way we subject ourselves to others. So I think that's a, definitely an important uh, perspective to take as well as we look at this specific scripture from Romans.
0: And it's not the only verse that talks about this, right? Uh, Peter, in 1 Peter chapter 2, starting in verse 13, uh, there we read, "...submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether to a king as, to, as the one in authority or to governors as sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and the praise of those who do right. For such is the will of God that by doing right you may silence the ignorance of foolish men. Act as freemen, and do not use your freedom as a covering for evil, but use it as bond slaves of God. Honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. You know, a point that uh, I'm seeing now from the passage in Romans and the passage here in 1 Peter. Is that the reason that God has given government authority? Is that so they can, ha- is that so there can be justice on earth like there will be on the last day, right? If you do something that is breaking the law, if you do something that is against the standards of this country, then by God's wisdom, you need to have face the consequences for that. Uh, the Romans passage mentions that they do not bear the sword in vain, which uh, many people look at as, you know, a reason to continue capital punishment, and I I can see where they're coming from with that. And then this this first Peter passage uh, talks about the governors sent out by the king for p- the punishment of evildoers. The verse, in Rome, the, the verse in Romans says, if you are doing what's right, then you have no fear of the government. If you are doing what is acceptable, both in the government's eyes and in God's eyes, then you have nothing to worry about here on earth or in heaven. But I think another point that needs to be made from these two passages is the context of when they're written. Peter and Paul are first century Christians who are living under the Roman government. If you know anything about the history of the Roman nation, it was a corrupt nation. It was an evil nation. It was a murderous nation. It was an uh, uh, idolatrous nation. They served many, many false gods. If there was a time for God's people to rise up and overthrow the government or disrespect the government, I don't know, know why it once have been here. The Roman government was one of the most harsh governments that we have seen on this planet. And yet Paul and Peter here are inspired gospel writers telling the Christians that are under them because the apostles had authority given to them by God, Peter and Paul are telling them to respect the government, are telling them to give them the honor where they have honor, uh, give them honor when honor is due to them. And if that applies to people living under the Roman government, then certainly, certainly it applies to us as Americans today and all those living in
2: other nations as well most definitely Um, I think uh, going back to what you were saying at the very beginning of uh, your point um, we find it in Romans 13 and verse 2 therefore whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God and those who resist will bring judgment on themselves Um, for rulers are not a terror to good works but to evil do you want to be unafraid of the authority do what is good and you will have praise from the same so uh, going off of what Isaiah said you know it doesn't matter what we may think is right, what we may think is wrong in our own eyes. If the government says for us to do something, they ultimately have authority from God like we've established, and we must follow their commands to um, to a certain extent. And as we'll address to that extent later on, um, I think it's important that we also point out uh, the point that Jesus made in Matthew chapter 22, Matthew chapter 22 and verse 21.
0: Actually, Walker, let's go ahead and move up to verse 15 just to give the listeners some context. Okay. Matthew chapter 22, beginning in verse 15. Then the Pharisees went and plotted together how they might trap Jesus in what he said. And they sent their disciples to him along with the Herodians saying, Teacher, we know that you are truthful and teach the way of God in truth and defer to no one for you are not partial to any. Tell us then what do you think? Is it lawful to give a poll tax to Caesar or not? But Jesus perceived their malice and said, Why are you testing me, you hypocrites? Show me the coin used for the poll tax. And they brought him a denarius. And he said to them, Whose likeness and inscription is this? They said to him, Caesar's. Then Jesus said to them, Then render the things that are to Caesar to Caesar, and to to God the things that are God's. So the Pharisees and, and the Herodians here, they're as always trying to put Jesus in a trap. They're trying to make him say something that they can use against him. And so they bring up the issue of politics, which is dividing back then as it is today. And they say, "Well, Jesus, we know that you're not a you don't show favoritism, right? You're you're not a biased man. Should we pay taxes to Caesar?" They were also pointing out the evilness and the fact that the Roman government government was corrupt. Should we pay taxes to this invading authority who has conquered our land and look at what jesus says in verse 21 then render to caesar the things that are caesar's and to god the things that are god's i think that sums up our point here as christians follow the government and follow god but of course that's not the order that we need to have them in now is it boys
2: (laughs) nope um not at all um I think it's definitely uh, something that many people would question at this point, like uh you know, okay, so y'all are saying to follow the government, but now um but now, at what point do I stop following the government? I guess, mm-hmm. and the realization is is that the government is filled with imperfect people, just like we are. We are a bunch of imperfect people, and I think oftentimes we try to place more judgment or more uh or Yeah, I guess more judgment on the government because they are people in power and we often uh, Publicize their mistakes and their things but at the same time We are just as imperfect as they are and we are no much or we are no much better than anybody who is in office and The world is made up of of a bunch of imperfect people But the greatest thing is that we serve a great God and a forgiving God and we'll get into that in just a few minutes but first, um, you know, it's important to establish that the government is not always going to make decisions that are biblical because we live in a lost and dying world. Christianity is the fastest dying religion right now. And because of that, we have people in government who may not be Christian, and therefore their decisions that they make in office may not be what we believe according to the Bible. And that doesn't give us a reason to bash them. That should be a teaching opportunity for us, um, and that should be a motivator for us to go and to teach more people about the gospel of Jesus. Absolutely, and and going off of that point, I wanted to go back to First Peter uh, where we
1: just were a minute ago because, um, <clears throat> as you were talking, Walker, um, an idea kind of came to me. Uh, but in verse sixteen of chapter two in First Peter, uh, it says, "Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover up for evil, but living as servants of God." And so you know it, that reminds me of the scripture that says, "Whatever you do." Do it for the Lord, Mm -hmm. and so if if I am trying to be a servant of God, I'm going to be a servant of the government. Again, to that extent that we're talking about where things you know lie within the realm of biblical uh, precedent, but um, you know, doing the things that we're supposed to not only shows that we're trying to be humble and that we're trying to use our freedom to serve God. But it also has, gives us the opportunity to set an example for other people. Um, and, and by doing that, um, also what it says, uh, I believe, yes, in verse 15, uh, it says that if you do the will of God by doing good, uh, you put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Mm-hmm. So not only are we giving honor to God, not only are we using our freedom to be servants of God, but we're also using that to set an example that will stop ignorance of what the Bible says are foolish people.
0: So let's talk about freedom for a little bit, gentlemen. <laughs> we as Americans, that is one of our greatest blessings. Mm-hmm. We have so many freedoms that other people in other countries do not have. My mind jumps to the fact that we can gather together as Christians without fear of persecution from the government. Other countries. Do not allow this. Other countries, the, the Christians there have to meet in secret. That is a freedom that we get to enjoy as Christians. Freedom is something that we value so much as Americans. I mean, as, the, as far back as this country existed, we've been fighting for freedom. Whether that be for our freedom, whether that be for the freedom of other people, we've always looked at war, we've always looked at conflict as a way to gain our freedom as a way to escape slavery. That's what we've done when we become Christians. We've escaped the slavery of sin, and now we are servants of Christ. But just like Peter said, we have to use that freedom, that free will that God has given us to do what is right, including
2: following the government when the government has its head on right. You know, Isaiah, one of the first scriptures that come to mind whenever you talk about this idea of spiritual freedom is John chapter 15. And for the sake of time, I'll only read the first four verses. But the main idea here is if we want to maintain spiritual freedom, we must abide in Jesus. John 15, beginning at verse 1, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser, and every branch that is in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, and neither can you unless you abide in me. If we want to maintain any freedom at all in Christ, we must abide in Jesus. And that comes by uh, that comes by seeking him. That comes by uh, striving to be unified with his people. And that's where uh, this may come into play, especially with, in regards to politics and the government. Because as we stated earlier, Politics and the government, it divides. It's one of the big divisions in America today. And so if we want to help solve this issue, I guess, in a sense, we need to start becoming more united in Christ. Definitely, Walker. You know,
0: like, like we've mentioned, politics is a dividing issue, especially within the church. And we as the church are supposed to be united. That's what Jesus' prayer in John chapter 17, mm-hmm. uh, verses 20 and 21, I believe, are talk is, is talking about. Jesus prays that all of his believers be one just as he and the Father are one. We cannot do that if we're arguing over something that, yes, it matters. I'm not saying that politics doesn't matter, but how much will it matter when we're dead? How much will, who won the last president, how much will that affect us spiritually in the afterlife? Yes. Politics are important. Yes, getting involved is important. Yes, standing up for the truth when other people are not doing that. That is important. That is what we're called to do here on earth. But Earth's not the only thing that we have here. We have something so much better to look forward to. And we need to keep our focus on that. We have to keep our focus on heaven. Because if we allow ourselves to focus on other things... We allow ourselves to focus on politics or anything else that isn't God then we're distracting ourselves and we're doing a disservice to not only ourselves but to the church and when we allow ourselves a group or uh, it doesn't have to be the whole church but you know just some of the church if some of the church becomes divided on something as not important that's not the best way to phrase that but as something that's not meaningful, As politics, or like politics, then that's hurting the church. That's hurting our brothers, and that's doing the church a disservice. It's a distraction from what really matters. You know, I think it's important for us to remember what Paul said in Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 20, Paul tells us, For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. We are Christians first and Americans second. That needs to be our order of focus. That needs to be our order of priorities. Christians first. We serve God first. And then Americans. We serve the government next. And that leads right into our next point, which is brings up the question of, well, if the government is doing something evil, if the government is doing something against God's word, who do we follow? And the answer is we have to follow God.
2: Definitely. And, you know, this is the Through the Eyes of Jesus podcast, and so let's look at Scripture. And one of the examples that Scripture brings to our attention regarding the same issue, uh, we find the story in Daniel, the book of Daniel. We see uh, three characters, um, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And here, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are uh, facing a government that is commanding them to bow down to an a, a false God um, someone who uh, they are not wanting to bow down to and they know who they know which God they serve which is the God of the Bible and they refused to bow down to uh, the God that the king at this time was commanding them to bow down to and thus they were punished for this and they uh, faced punishment for uh, not bowing down to this false God and they were thrown into the the fire and their at Meshach, and Abednego, uh, yes, they were thrown into the fire, but God saved them because they were doing uh, what God commanded them to do. They didn't fall for the government's rule. Um, even though the government was commanding them to do something, they knew that what the government was commanding them to do was uh, unscriptural. It was uh, not something that God would have them to do, and they stood up for what was right. And in the end, they ultimately faced punishment, but nonetheless, they were rewarded and they were saved in the end. I think it's important for us to actually take the time to look at what they said. Okay. Uh, in Daniel
0: chapter 3, beginning in verse 14, Now at this point, the king Nebuchadnezzar had called these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, to him. So these three men were facing the king, the most powerful man in the entire nation, a nation that was very powerful in the world at this time. And in verse 14, Nebuchadnezzar responded and said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image that I have set up? Now, if you are ready, at the moment you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the lyre, the trigon, the psaltery, and the bagpipe, and all kinds of music, to fall down and worship the image that I have made very well. But if you do not worship, you will immediately be cast into the midst of a furnace of blazing fire. And what god is there who can deliver you out of my hands? Listen to what the men say. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego responded to reply to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to give you an answer concerning this matter. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the furnace of blazing fire, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But even if he does not, let it be known to you, O king, that we are not going to serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. So it's very, very plain what's happening here. Nebuchadnezzar calls these three men forward. He, he's heard that they will refu- They that they are refusing to bow down to this golden image, this God that Nebuchadnezzar created. And he says, listen, you guys are either going to bow down to this God or you're going to be thrown into the fiery furnace. And then he issues a challenge to God. What God is there that can save you from my hands? Well, as Walker pointed out, It was the God of the Bible. It was the God that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego served and refused to stop serving even in the face of government persecution. They said, listen here, Nebuchadnezzar, we're not going to serve you. We're not going to serve your God because we know that it is wrong. We know that it goes against our faith and we know that we are serving the right God and our God will save us. Our God can save us from you that is the guy that can save us from your hands is our god but even if he doesn't we will go to our graves knowing that we died for the lord i pray that we as americans never have to go go through this that we are never put into this test but i also pray that if it does happen that those christians who were there in that day will have the boldness to do what shadrach meshach and abednego did that they will stand up to the government and say, listen here, you can do whatever you want to me. I will not disobey my God. I will not turn my back on him. He's never once done it to me, and I will not do it to him. You know, I think um, something that's, it's, you know, sometimes
1: we don't see ourselves in this situation per se as far as the persecution itself. Um, But as we discuss this idea of um, how the government should stand in our lives as compared to our faithfulness to God, um, sometimes I think we need to think about um, what may be a God that the government sets up for us. Mm. Because, um, you know, in in my past experiences, I became so involved with politics that politics became almost an idol to me. And it had become the the point where, you know, day in and day out, I would be on my phone all the time checking the news, looking at stories, seeing what was going on solely in politics because I was so wrapped up in it. And my spiritual life was just shriveling on the vine. And, you know, not necessarily politics as a whole can be that for us as Christians sometimes, but uh, even small things such as discrepancies that we have Uh, with our brothers and sisters in Christ, um, over politics and things that we differ in beliefs, those points of contention can become uh, so important to us sometimes that we unbeknowingly sometimes can elevate them to the point where they become a God, quote-unquote, in our lives. And so I think, too, uh, as we look at this story of of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, um, we have to think about, What may be a God in our lives, or might the government be trying to feed us something that they want us to worship as a God, um, such as, you know, defining your own truth, or looking at, you know, different situations within politics that we may want to say uh, are, are the most important things to us? Will we let those things that come along with politics, And and things like that become a God in our lives that separate us from the true God. And what are we willing to sacrifice uh, as American citizens, but of course as citizens of heaven first, um, in order to continue and maintain our relationship with our Heavenly Father in place of those things that may try to draw us away from him that come through politics. I think that's something important for us to wrestle with, um, even as those who don't see ourselves as heavily involved with politics, um, but see ourselves as Christians who have to wrestle with this.
0: You know, I've met a lot of Christians who were kind of in that same boat with you there, Jesse, where they became so heavily involved in politics that, from my perspective, and obviously I don't know their heart, I don't have the power to judge them, but from my perspective, from an outsider's perspective, it looked like they cared more about politics than they did about faith. It looks like they cared more about politics than they did about people. Uh, I remember a story from my family. Uh, my, my, my father and my aunts are very, very different people. Uh, my father is a minister for the church. He's a conservative man, and my aunt is a uh, woman who holds strongly to some very liberal beliefs. So that conflict there has led to a lot of uh, strife in my family led to a lot of not great conversations in my family um, and now when we see my aunt we tend to avoid all serious conversations in general just to avoid conflict. I remember a story I remember being told a story I was too young to actually remember it but I remember it was Halloween I was about three or four years old And my aunt had come down to help my mother take care of my two younger siblings while I went trick-or-treating. And she stayed for a Wednesday night Bible class at my home congregation. And a member there who I dearly love, he was the one teaching the class that night. And he is one of those men who can get on a political rant. And he did that that night with my liberal aunt in the audience. And he ended up saying some things about her political beliefs and her political affiliations and her political uh, candidates that upset her, that angered her. And I don't think she's been to a church since. Like I said, I was three or four years old and I'm now almost 19. I do not know if that damage can be undone because now she sees the church in a way that a lot of people see the church. And that is people who are against government as they see it, or people who are rebellious or hateful people even. And I think that is an image that we need to try very, very hard to get rid of as a church because of people like my aunt and and others, so many others who see the church as this old fashioned, hateful institution against any kind of possibly good change. And if we cannot get rid of that image, then we are hurting those people who have not yet accepted the truth. If we put politics above people, if we put politics above God, then we're telling people that God is not important in our lives. And that needs to be the first thing that people think when they meet us. That needs to be the first thought is, wow, this person is dedicated to God. The thought should not be this person is dedicated to America. The thought should not be this person is dedicated to their political party or to politics in general. We are Christians first. And I pray that we remember that. I pray that we can be a shining light in this world of darkness because the world needs it.
2: Amen. Amen. You know, uh, you, you brought up the point about politics and um, them being brought up in the church that uh, this, I feel like, is a perfect promo time because during the summertime, uh, we're going to be airing an episode regarding political views in the church. And on that episode, we're going to have Dr. Mark Blackwater, who's the dean of our biblical studies here at Friedhardt-Hardeman, Uh, be in discussion with us regarding that topic should politics be addressed in the church if so to what extent and how should we go about addressing uh, political issues uh, from uh, within the church and so we hope that you will check out that episode whenever it releases in the fall right now it is tentatively scheduled to release on june the 25th so uh, be on the lookout for that on june the 25th and we look forward to that discussion with dr blackwelder um, and as we bring it back together into our discussion today, uh, you know, the question becomes now is, well, not really a question. We've we done established that we are, most importantly, citizens of the kingdom, and we need to follow God, um, most importantly, and Christians should be first in our life, uh, and following Christ should be first, and then the government. And so, um Now we are getting to the point, uh, we're we're sort of wounding things down now. And so now we're coming to Acts chapter 5, if I'm not mistaken. Correct me if I'm skipping over something. Um, But Acts chapter 5 and verse 29. You know, one of the things, um, we looked at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the Old Testament. But in the New Testament, we see countless examples of missionaries. Uh, First person I think of is Stephen, uh, Paul, and there's countless other people who... Uh, endured the government's uh, rebellion against spreading Christianity, against the spreading of the gospel, and they had to stand up to the government countless times. Uh, they were some of them were even thrown in jail. Stephen was stoned for his belief, and through that they showed resilient faith. And in Acts chapter five and verse twenty-nine, uh, we see here um, the result of something that uh, happened in the previous chapter, where Peter and John were arrested for preaching. And they were told not to preach Christ again. And they were released the next morning, and immediately they went back to preaching. And when they asked why they dis- why they were disobeying uh, what they had been told, they answered, we must obey God rather than men. And that should be our philosophy whenever we live our Christian lives each and every day. It doesn't matter what the government may say. If it goes against God's word, we need to obey God first rather than men.
0: Definitely, Walker. You know, and I think that passage really sums up everything that we've been trying to say here. We must obey God rather than men. We are Christians first. Americans second. And yes, the government has authority. And we need to be under that authority. We need to respect that authority because it is from God. But When the government is trying to make a law that is against God's law, or when the government is trying to force us to stop following God, or they've tried to prohibit us from following God, then we have to be willing to face the earthly consequences for following God above the government. Just like the apostles did when they were arrested, just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego when they were threatened with the fiery furnace. We will face persecution, we will have consequences, there will be repercussions if we choose to obey God over government. But those are only earthly consequences. Amen. Those are only things that will affect us here on this earth. You know, I think of a passage in Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13. And there the writer uh, says, and uh, I don't have this pulled up. So let me get there real quick. Hebrews chapter 13, beginning uh, and the end of verse 5. He himself has said, I will never desert you, nor will I ever forsake you, so that we can confidently say, The Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? Yes, we will face persecution for choosing God over government in this life, but that's just a speck for eternity. Mm -hmm. And if we are willing to give up that speck here, on earth for eternity, then God will see that. And God will say, well done, good and faithful servant, provided of course that we are in line with the rest of his commands.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think too, um, we have to we have to be honest with ourselves. Um, as we look through the history of the world, uh, nations have risen and nations have fallen, but the only nation that has stood forever is the people who are God's people. Amen. And they have stood and they will stand forever. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, it comes back it just over and over in my mind. Um, we have to make sure that our perspective is right. Um, that yes, while right now we are Americans, and while this nation may stand now, there may be a day in the future that it doesn't stand. And so what's going to make more of an impact Serving an earthly kingdom or serving a kingdom that's eternal? Serving a kingdom that is is heavenly and serving the king of all ages who has the power to not only take away our lives, but our souls as well. You know, kind of like you were saying, Isaiah, um, what can men do to us compared to what God can do? You know, there is nothing that compares to the power of God. And so while it's important for us to focus on serving the government, and doing what we can for our fellow man and being good citizens and living a peaceful, humble life, obeying and, and being servants, um, what should characterize us above all things is is our our stewardship to Christ. And I think that's what we've kind of been getting at the whole time. So
2: Definitely. Um, and I think it goes back to what Isaiah was saying. Uh, you know, we ultimately have to consider um, the fact that only one of these offers an eternal reward. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can choose to follow man's way and focus primarily on the government and devote our whole lives to the government, but the government has no reward after death. But if we focus our lives on Jesus and we seek him and we let God lead our lives, he's provided us a hope of heaven with him. In John chapter fourteen, one through six, he talks about that hope of heaven. And like Isaiah was saying, if we're faithful, and just and we follow the commands that he's given us to get to heaven we will hopefully hear the words that we addressed earlier well done that good and faithful servant and i know this episode has probably raised a lot of questions for you as an individual that you would like to hear addressed and we want to be able to address those for you and so we want you to submit your questions, submit your feedback, submit your opinion. We want to hear what you think about this topic and any other topic that you may have listened to that you may see a different side on. We're open to all sides. This is not just our side. Uh, we want to hear uh, what you have to say uh, and what you may have studied recently. Uh, so feel free to text it to us, 731-439-9671. Email us, info at tteoj.com. Or you can message us on Facebook, or you can find us on Instagram, T-T-E-O-J underscore podcast. We want to hear from you. We want to um, be able to help you in any other way that we can. Absolutely.
0: Uh, and so just to wrap up everything that we've said, you know, just to give a, a few sentence summary for the 40 or 50 minute episode, whatever this is. Uh, we are to respect the authority that God has given to the government. And while we are under that authority that God has given to the government, we need to make sure that we are somewhat involved so that we are standing up for the truth, that we are speaking for those who cannot speak for themselves and that we are defending the word of God and making sure that the nation that we live in, whether it be the United States or any other nation, is living and uh, has laws that are close to what God says if not identical. But if those two laws contradict, if it becomes impossible to follow both at the same time, we must obey God rather than men. Let's go ahead and close this episode out in prayer. Jesse, would you like to offer it? Absolutely.
1: Father, we thank you for this time that we've been able to study your word. We thank you for this time that we have been able to discuss your word and dive deep into what it says not only what it meant for those at the time that it was written, but also for us. Father, we thank you for the guidance that you give us through your word, and we thank you for your gracious leading of our lives. We thank you for your authority and your great power that you have, and we thank you so much for the way that you have given us a government to rule over us, to provide justice in our time, to protect us, And we pray that you would be with our government, that it would be pleasing to you, that it would follow uh, the things and the precepts that you've given us. And we pray that uh, if it does not, that we would have the courage to stand up for the truth, that we would have the courage and the perspective to understand that we are first your children and then we are citizens of the nation of which we call home at this time. But we pray, Father, you would help us to look forward to our eternal home with you, and help that to drive our decisions, our actions, and not only that, but the way that we uh, interact with others who are around us, that they would know that we are your children. We thank you for your son, Jesus. We thank you for everything he has done for his perfect life, for his death that was so undeserved upon his perfect being, that he took our place, took our sins upon himself, and died that we could have forgiveness. And most of all, we thank you for his resurrection that now provides us the hope for eternal life. Father, please help us to be more like him. Help us to show him to others who are around us and help us to do your will as much as it depends upon us. We thank you for Jesus, and it's in his name we pray these things. Amen.